Welcome to the Fit and Fierce podcast, a show to inspire and empower you and remind you that we're all a little messed up and that's okay. I'm your host, Megan. And in my personal journey, I realized that the fiercest thing I ever did was to ask for help. I no longer wanted my story to rule me. I was going to own it and share it. And throughout each one of these episodes, I want you to remember that being flawed doesn't make you less. It makes you more. Anybody who has been around for an episode or two knows how strongly I'm drawn to asking questions about intuition. So it's by no fate that my guest today, Kristen Rice, is here. She's an intuitive healer. She is, from a fitness perspective, a hot yoga and pure bar instructor, but she walks us through this amazing spiritual journey that she experienced and implements ways that we can use it in our life. We talk about the power and healing qualities of moving our body and the way that that deeply impacts our soul's healing and our energetic level. We talk about chakras. We talk about diving into how do you trust knowing that this is your intuition versus your chatter of your mind talking. Such great, great, amazing information. So make sure that you have a great spot. You are ready and open to receive the message that Kristen is going to share with you. Welcome back, everybody. I'm so excited to have you here with my guest today, Kristen Rice. Welcome, Kristen. Hi. Hello, Megan. Yeah. I love to let you tell the listeners a little bit on who you are. So you go ahead and give us some insight. Sure. So my name is Kristen Rice. I am a Kentucky girl at heart. I grew up in the South and relocated to California not too long ago, about four years ago. I am a intuitive energy healer and a certified behavioral health coach. I am just so passionate about helping people really connect into the the unseen, into their soul, into spirit, into um, a greater understanding of meaning and connection and depth in their lives. And I just really love merging this very human experience that we are all in with some of the more seemingly esoteric spiritual things to make it very practical and applicable for people to find um, deeper meaning into their life and more fulfillment because that's what it ultimately ends up being is just a deeper sense of fulfillment and enjoyment of our daily lives. And where did this come from? How did, I always like to know, like, how did somebody get to the point where they are at now and so passionate about this line of work? Yeah. So I think like a lot of healers that I've come to know, there's this, um, there's this trajectory that is this archetypal journey of the wounded healer, where I think a lot of people end up coming into healing work when they actually need to heal themselves. And then they go through this journey that then gives them all new awarenesses and skills. And you actually experience it yourself that then you want to apply it to others because you're so passionate about seeing the power of it. So for me, that came about because I had an incredibly traumatic childhood. Um, 
very dysfunctional. Um, my parents, all of the parent, parental figures in my life, other than my grandparents, but my mother, my stepfather, and my father all had mental illnesses. I lived in 16 houses by the time I was 16 years old. Oh. My stepfather was a violent alcoholic, and my father left when I was seven and never came back. So I, by the time I was 16 years old, I was really struggling in life. And I didn't know what to make of it. Why had my life been what it was? And then the people around me had seemingly, you know, quote unquote, normal lives. Mm -hmm. And so it just got me asking really, really deep questions at a very, very early age. And so there's a way that I really had to dig in and find the answers myself. So I started when I was like in my early 20s, I had made a lot of really, really bad decisions and really put myself into a shame spiral of like, how am I going to make sense of all the things, not only that I have lived through, but also the things that I had, um, I had put myself through because I trying to get through the PTSD that I was experiencing, I was numbing myself out. I was like the stereotypical party child, like always surrounded by people, life of the party. But inside, I was like dying. I was like dead. <laughs> My soul mm -hmm. was just like so beaten and bruised. And so then I really started studying comparative religion and finding some survival, like uh, spiritual books to help me cope. And then life got better as I started to put more meaning in my life. And then it didn't. And then I had a corporate career with like literally the top three. It's one of the top three global companies in the world. It was like my dream job. I never thought I would get, I was climbing the corporate ladder. And then my body started to revolt against me. And I got this undiagnosable autoimmune disease for three years, ultimately ended up on disability for my company and then realized if, if I wanted to change my life, I had to completely change my life. And I had to go on this healing journey for myself. So I left my, my world behind that I had created and worked so hard to create and went to Asia for six months and just did the deep healing work. And that's where I stepped into really understanding energy. That's where I became a Reiki healer. I really worked for those whole six months. Like my full-time job was healing myself. And that's where I discovered my clairvoyance and all of my beautiful intuitive abilities that I all, always had, but I just ignored. And honestly, for, you know, 10 years of my life, I was so filled up with like alcohol and medication that I wouldn't have even known anyway, because I was like numbing everything. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, I just really went to heal myself. And then when I saw the power of connecting into something greater than ourselves and really understanding a framework beyond our very human constitutions, I couldn't help but be passionate about sharing it because I can see the power that it has for other people when they can connect into something larger than themselves. Mm, what a moving and powerful, happy and sad. Just what a wonderful journey. Thanks. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because 
I think you finally get to a place where you can be so grateful for the mm-hmm. struggles because I, I really do. I feel like a wise woman in my mid thirties and <laughs> I'm writing a memoir right now. And I, I find it's always an interesting question because people look at me and they're like, what do you like? You're writing a memoir. Like, what do you have to write about? And I'm like, Oh, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think that just goes to speak of, you know, we see people and we make such a snap judgment of them. Or we don't know if somebody's currently struggling or the struggles that they had in the past. Exactly. I mean, everybody is struggling. You know, one of the things that I've really come to find through my work, because I was, uh, I've been a behavioral health coach for five years. I worked a lot with people in addiction, with addiction. And then um, now I've transitioned more into just the intuitive work that I do. But one of the things that I'm seeing from really witnessing people's journeys is it doesn't matter what your childhood looked like on paper. It doesn't matter what things look like. Everybody has their struggles. They have their wounds. They have their moments in their lives that made them feel like they weren't enough, like they weren't worthy, that they have to be something different than they are. And so every single person has these things that they are working to overcome. And and so just really seeing people in their in their vulnerability and in their humanness is so important in our lives when we're, we're in a judgmental space, I think, um, having compassion for our shared humanness in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned a few words, and if the listeners aren't aware, can you explain both what an intuitive is and also what clairvoyant means? Yes. So... Um, so I call myself just an intuitive, which is kind of a broad range, which basically means that I am deeply connected to my intuition. And so another word for intuitive would be psychic. Mm-hmm. However, I personally hate that word because I feel like it has such a um, connotation to it, which isn't really practical. It's like very out there and there's a, an air of doubt. And for me, there is nothing more practical than being connected to who a person is on a soul level. And that's what I help people do. I use my intuition my intuitive superpowers, which includes clairvoyance to help people connect into the truth of who they are beyond this human experience, which means, you know, what have they experienced in their past lives? What, um, you know, what are they meant to do here in this lifetime? Who have they been in every lifetime before? And really understanding the scope of who they are beyond this and how that fits in with their particular belief system. Um, because for me, I believe all religions are just different paths to the same, um, you know, higher power, to the same God, to, to spirit. And so really helping people within their lives connect into who they really are and into the bigger picture, into a more spiritual existence. So clairvoyance is the ability to see. So um, from an intuitive standpoint, so I get visions, I can see pictures, I can see energy. Um, Basically when I tune in to somebody, um, spirit, God, higher power, gives me information that I can share with other people. Um, And generally speaking, it's to help them, again, connect into who they are underneath all of the wounds, underneath all of the hurt, 
what the potential is, how I can help somebody heal, how I can help somebody move forward. And so our intuition actually talks to us in many different ways. Clairvoyance is just one of them. I actually have like uh, all of the intuitive superpowers. So I have what's called clairaudience where I can hear people's spirit guides or hear my spirit guides, hear the angels speaking, ascended masters relaying information. Um, And then there's clairvoyance, which is the ability to see. So again, that comes in picture form or in metaphors and then um, claircognizance, which is just an inner knowing. So I had an experience where my husband had an accident and I knew that like, there's just, there was this knowing, I knew he was going to get hurt and I didn't know how, right? Like I didn't get all the information. I just knew that, that there was something that was going to happen. And so he had left to go pick up my um, stepson from the airport. He was on a class trip and I, I am like, I don't, I'm not a person that thinks bad things are going to happen, but I just knew that something was going to happen. And so for like, I told him eight times to be careful going to the Mm. airport and then he made it home safe. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that like, I feel so relieved. I'm going to go to bed because it was late at night. And then five minutes later, my stepson came running down the hall, um, screaming because my, my husband had cut off part of his finger. Oh my God. And so there's a way that there's just this, and it's so strong. I mean, and there's no, And this is the thing about intuition. There's no logical reason. There's no logical reason to believe things. There's just this inner knowing with such a strength and resonance. And the more that, you know, the more that you start to learn to recognize your intuitive voice versus your mind, then what you do is you can start to see the data that supports trusting that inner voice over your mind. Because that connection to spirit and God is, is what we all have access to. And there's no greater authority than that, especially when we're thinking about like us just intellectualizing something. It's like, are you going to put your faith in um, a book that a man wrote or like in information that you gathered from other human beings? Are you going to put your faith in an all knowing power. And so there's something super strong about that. And that's what I do. I bridge kind of that unseen world and act as a channel for spirit to help people in their experiences with information that they may not otherwise be able to receive without having somebody bridging the gap. I think that's always my number one question for people that have such a strong gift of being an intuitive in whatever realm they practice it in is how do you actually know or can identify the difference between what is your intuition and what is your mind kind Mm -hmm. of playing those games that our mind plays with us? Yeah. So this is the number one question. I feel like good. I don't feel like I'm alone. (laughs) No, how do I know what to believe? Yeah. So there's, there's one is just, bringing awareness and watching how things play out and, and really just starting to gather the data of like, Oh, when I, when I am thinking in this way, what's the information I'm getting? What happens when I follow the information? Like, does it end up working out? Does it not end up working out, et cetera. And then there's also just the very practical, your intuition is more of a soft whisper. Your mind is always the one that's more critical 
more questioning. Um, it's much louder. It's much more persistent. So typically our first instinct, and that's exactly it, right? The word instinct is a nod to our intuition, that gut feeling. That is, you know, our intuitive superpowers that every single person has. And our intuition is just a muscle that we, we need to, you know, really train just like we would train, you know, you would increase weights if you were trying to build up your bicep over time. And so there's a way that there is a certain intuitive training that like I help people through people who feel called to, to grow their intuition. But so there's a certain training aspect to it, but then there's also just the simple fact that our intuition is our immediate gut instinct in the whisper in our, in, in our minds. And then our mind usually comes in after it with its fear and it's doubt, and it then overpowers our intuition. So here, here's, a, here's an example. I ordered Indian food. Um, this is like months ago, but I ordered Indian food and it came. And even me, who's like so strongly intuitively connected, my mind is, is powerful. All of our minds are super powerful. So the, the Indian food comes to the door. And of course, it's like I paid for the delivery. I paid for the food. I obviously had it delivered because I didn't want to go anywhere or cook. And I'm sitting there and I'm eating. I take one bite and I'm like, you need to stop eating this. And then I go, that's silly. Why would you need to stop eating this? Like, mm-hmm. you just took a, like, it tastes fine. Da, da, da. You just paid for it. You're going to eat this. And then I continue to eat it. And then what happens? I get food poisoning. Mm. So our intuition is always that inclination and our mind is generally speaking, always trying to talk us out of what our intuition is guiding us towards. It's really interesting because a lot of people think our mind is our best asset, but actually our mind is very much an evolutionary system trying to protect us and it, it values safety above all else. And sometimes the safety actually isn't the right thing for us. And so what happens is our mind is always trying to talk us out of growth, out of new ways of doing things. It likes to operate based on information that it's had and what it has seen happen. Even if the results aren't good, it prefers to go with what it knows versus to go with the unknown. It prefers certainty. I'd rather take a subpar result than have than risk to have a great result. And so oftentimes our mind is always trying to talk us out or keep us safe or protect us. But what it ends up doing is it keeps us trapped where we are instead of moving forward and growing and expanding our intuition. Again, it's that connection with a higher power. It is always, always, always operating in our best interest. It is nothing but love and compassion and um, the wanting to see us become our highest manifestation of ourselves. And so really it's about trusting the soft whispers, the things that think, well, this is silly for me to do. Like, I don't know. I don't even know why I have that thought or I don't know why I'm being told. I, I feel like I should go this way instead of going the faster route or etc. It's generally speaking, a little bit contradictory to logic. And so 
trusting the voice within when it doesn't match your mind. That's how we know that that's your intuition. It almost seems like the intuition is the first voice that you hear that like Mm -hmm. quiet nudge and then everything else spirals afterwards. Yeah. Then it's the mind and then it's our patterns and it's our habits and it's our um, conditioned thinking. And so that first inclination. And one of the questions that I love to help people also connect to this is when you're making a decision or you're deciding like, oh, which should I do? What would I do if I took fear off the table? Mm. Because our mind operates so much on um, a fear system. It's trying, again, trying to keep us safe and valuing safety above all. So if I took fear off of the table, That's fear of what other people think, what other people would say, fear of what might happen, fear of everything that could go wrong. What if I took fear off the table and I just did exactly what I feel called to do in this moment? You know, that might be leaving that partner that you've known for a long time that you shouldn't be with. That might be trusting the, you know, voice inside that says it's time to leave this job. It's, it's, they're generally speaking, your intuition isn't always guiding you to the easiest places, but, but it's guiding you to the right places. Mm. Oh, I like those. Like I get so absorbed in those, those answers and those things. Cause it is something that I think a lot of us, I think that everybody is intuitive. I think yes. we just don't quiet that enough to sense that. For sure. Or we just doubt that that's even something that's possible for us. Yeah, there's just so much that we need to do to connect into it. And we all have it. I mean, everybody has an intuitive ability. Um, And again, it's like you said, it's being able to hear it past all the noise. Because we, we need to be able to train our mind first so that it doesn't completely overpower us in order to actually hear the gentleness of the intuition. It's like, if you have two, think about having two five-year-olds in front of you. One of them is super loud and screaming and like just trying to get your attention at all costs. And the other child is really, really sweet and quiet and reserved and calm. It's really, really easy to hear what what the loud one has to say. You have to give this, the quiet one a different kind of attention in order to hear what it has to say. And that's your intuition versus your mind. Mm. How do you begin to put fear aside when I have something that my intuition's telling me and I can say, okay, if I remove fear, what is that? How do you, how do you remove fear? How do you take that leap into what's next? Yeah. So I don't think we ever remove fear. I you know, fear is, is always there. And I think that fear is a great, a great metric for knowing that you're pushing yourself into new places that you're growing, that you're not staying safe, um, that you're not staying stuck. So fear is a great method to know that you're pushing yourself to your growth edge. We can't really get rid of fear. And if you did completely get, I think Brene Brown said this, like if somebody doesn't have fear, then they're probably a sociopath, right? Like <laughs> That's probably not a healthy place to be at. Right. It's like, you really don't want to be in that place and that, um, and so there's a way that like fear is actually really healthy. The, 
the thing is, and it's just like intuition being a muscle. It's, it is a practice to practice courage. And what I, I teach people that I work with is that you start with the small things, you know, you don't start listening to your intuition. Like, um, I mean, you can, you certainly can. So I think the first time that I can remember like really, really listening to my intuition was the moment that I knew I was leaving my life to go to Asia. And I was like, and that, I even asked myself that question. I said, what would I do if I took fear off the table? I don't want to be in this job. I don't want to be with my partner anymore. I don't want to be in this city. I don't want to be sick. I'm just, I can't do this anymore what would I do if I completely took fear off the table and then started going down that exploration? And so, you know, that may not be a great place to start selling everything you own, <laughs> quitting your <laughs> that job. That might be an extreme version. And leaving but... your life. You know, I had a pretty extreme life, so I needed an extreme thing. But just starting with the simple things, you know, not not starting with leaving that relationship off the bat. You start with the easy things. Okay. Do I want to go to this party tomorrow? Do I want, what do I want to eat an apple or an orange? And like, just really kind of starting through, I mean, your intuition, if you're staring at um, healthy fruits and vegetables or a bag of Doritos, your intuition (laughs) is going to be telling you which one. And then your mind is going to be like, Oh, it's fine. You can eat the Doritos. It'll be okay. You can start to, you know, you can start tomorrow. You you ate healthy all week. That's our mind always trying to talk us in to different things. And so there's a way in which you just start small with the small courageous action, I'm going to speak up in this instance where I feel like it's, this isn't right. You know, maybe somebody's saying something, maybe you're in, you're like in an, a social situation and your intuition is like, this isn't right. Like, this isn't okay. Like they shouldn't be talking about this person like this. It's like trusting that just starting to do little courageous, little, little moments of courage. And then you start to build up your courage muscle, little bits of vulnerability, start to build up your courage muscle. And then what happens is you can see the fear and then rise up in in your courage more and more as you keep going. And I also think that understanding that your fear is not you, like almost seeing your fear as like a personification of, of like something else, like almost like it's its own little thing. So, hey, fear's coming to visit me today. It's knocking on my door. But it's not actually me. I can choose whether or not I let it in. I can choose whether or not I engage with it. I can choose how this interaction goes. Oh, hey, fear, welcome to the door. Thanks for teaching me in this moment what it is that I'm, like, afraid of. I see you. Cool. Now it's time for you to leave. Mm. I very much appreciate – I struggle with – um, the emotional fitness type of life, you know, the, mm-hmm. in those pieces. And so I very much can relate and appreciate anytime we like even just throw in the word muscle when we're talking about something more on the emotional side. Cause it's like, oh yeah, like it's the exact same concept of how you train at the gym. Like you oh, don't yeah. just walk in and start with a full set of muscles. Like you have to gradually build and fail and then Mm -hmm. build some more and then come back to it. Absolutely. It's this 
with your mind and your emotions, both training your mindset and training your emotional intelligence, they're both the same. It's both the same exact concept of training your body. Start small, build it up, gain your confidence, pay attention to what works and what doesn't. Really getting in that kind of training mentality you know, the idea, I think there's such a beautiful turning point with things like counseling therapy, like coaches, healers, things of that nature. More people are open to it. This next generation is really much mm -hmm. more open to it um, versus the previous generations that said, oh, my gosh, if you go to therapy, something's wrong with you. Um, first of all, we are all have wounds. We all have things that we struggle with. We all have ways that our mind creates coping mechanisms and patterns that don't serve us, disempowering behaviors. And there are people, coaches, counselors, therapists, that are trained to help you learn how to train your mind, how to heal your wounds. It's like, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you seek out people who can help you grow and evolve and have a much more enjoyable existence. And so it's the same thing, like hiring a personal trainer when you want to get your body in better shape. If you want to get your mind and emotions in better shape, why wouldn't you consult the right resources? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's so important. I am a firm believer that everybody should have somebody who is qualified, which means not your best friend, Mm -hmm. who, who doesn't know, you know, who's not trained and does and whatever works for one person doesn't work for another person, especially considering, um, you know, we all have such individual experiences. So really just understanding that I, I mean, I think everybody should have somebody that is helping them through their stuff. And I always tell people, if your therapist doesn't have a therapist, get a new therapist because there's no way, like if your coach isn't still growing and learning more and coaching, the people who are helping you can, you can only go as far as the person who is coaching you. And so you want somebody who's continually expanding themselves and you want people who are committed to their own growth and their own healing. And if somebody thinks that they have every single thing figured out, then, um, then I think they have more work to do. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. I'm I'm very open with all of my one-on-one -on -one clients and they're almost kind of surprised when I was like, yeah, I have coaches like for many different or yeah. help or assistant. Like I hire people to help me grow emotionally and physically in my life. And that changes depending on what season of my life I'm in. But why wouldn't I want to continue to evolve? Yeah, 100%. It's, it, it just, to me... And I guess maybe because I am so in this world of, um, you know, all of my communities are people who are growing and expanding. And again, it, it's stepping out of the shame that we, sh w there's this really messed up idea that we should know how to do everything ourselves and that we should be able to handle anything ourselves. And that if we can't do it ourselves, something is wrong with us. And like, that's so effed up. It's mm -hmm. so effed up. First of all, as human beings, we were never supposed to be in this individualistic type of society. We have always been community-based, you know, people where we share and learn from each other. And there's a way in which that feeling like I should have it all figured out or I should be able to do it on my own really just promotes isolation. 
And connection is the number one thing we need as human beings to feel fulfilled in our lives. And that includes being able to receive support from other people. I mean, I can definitely attest in my own healing journey in all different aspects of it. I stayed stuck in a very dark place for a long time because I was ashamed. I couldn't handle it by myself. I felt that I was the only person who understood or who was going through the same thing. And I just didn't want to admit, like, I'm, I'm drowning. I need somebody to help. I totally get it. I totally get it. I was reflecting the other day. Um, I had gone to therapy. You know, this is like, I don't even know, 10 years ago. I tried therapy multiple times and just never really stuck with it. But, you know, 10 years ago, I remember being in my therapist's office and being like terrified that I would see somebody I knew in the waiting room. Like Mm. terrified that like somebody would find out that I needed to get help, that I needed help in my life. Thinking back about that, like, of course I needed help. Like everything I had been through in my life, the idea that I would think that I wouldn't need help, like that's what's Mm -hmm. wrong. That's what's wrong with our society. Like, of course, of course I needed help navigating that by somebody who was trained and able to help me. And so I think so many people share the experience that you had about feeling like I'm the only one nobody can understand. But what I can tell you and I can tell your listeners, and I know that you're, you know, you're at a different place now, but what I can tell any of your listeners that might feel like nobody could possibly understand or like that something might be wrong with you or any of that from my years and years of this work, we are so much more alike than we are different. Mm. And even when it looks different, when the struggles or the pain looks different, or there are different circumstances that caused it, we all have the same core wounds and the same core suffering. And you're not alone in the way that you feel. And there's something really healing about that and being able to know that you're not alone. You had mentioned, um, we talked a little bit kind of about strengthening that courage muscle and that intuition muscle. And just in general, how important do you think that moving our bodies is to heal our bodies? Yeah, so this is such uh, an important connection here when it comes to the fitness world and it comes to just taking care of ourselves. Because a lot of people, when they think about spiritual growth, they don't think about it being connected with the body. And it is, it's so important because our physical bodies is what is allowing us to be here in, in this lifetime. And so it holds so much energy We have an energetic system within our body that um, I'd like to think about our body in this way. So if our nerves and our central nervous system are like the roots of the trees underneath the ground, right? If we're just looking at our body as like this ecosystem where everything has a function and it's, it's just, let's look at it from the lens of nature. If like all the trees are the roots and everything is interconnected and We've got this beautiful ecosystem. Our energy, our energetic self is like the rivers, streams, and lakes 
that's flowing through our body, the air, the winds, all that, all that's flowing. And what happens in our lives as we have different experiences and we develop different patterns and coping strategies and all of these ways that we, um, we really try to protect ourselves as we go through life. What happens is some of those rivers get little dams in it. Like there's this buildup of debris, buildup of sticks, buildup of stuff that we haven't maybe healed. And so then we create like this cutoff of energy where one side isn't getting the nourishment it needs. And the other side is kind of backing up with an excess of energy. And this happens within our physical bodies. And so there's a way in which there's a very um, specific, you know, there's a very specific system that's ancient called the chakra system within our bodies that shows the way that our energy flows throughout our bodies. There's all these different meridians. It corresponds with acupuncture and a lot of other healing modalities. Um, this has been observed for over 4,000 years, the way that the system works. And so each energy center within your body corresponds to different emotional of states corresponds with different organs in your body, different things that it represents. And so when there's an excess buildup of energy in a certain place, or there's not enough energy in another place, moving your body gets that energy flowing. And so it may not be, there's also the component that we have to like actually heal the, the energetic and the mental causes that are creating the blockages. But there's also a way in which the physical movement of the body then moves the energy within the body, which then helps us in our healing journey, helps us heal what is stuck within us. So if a lot of people run and work out so that they can kind of ground their anxious energy or they can dispose of some of the excess energy, and that's a very like just... Um, specific way that we can do that. And so there are different exercises that can open up the different energy parts of the body. Like if you're, for example, if you have heart chakra issues, which is like where we house our love and belonging, there's all these different yoga poses that help you open up your heart. Um, there are all kinds of different ways that we can move our body to for different emotional areas, but just in general, like for me, there's a way that I move my body every single day because I am actually in an active healing process right now. I'm writing my book. I'm bringing up a lot of old trauma. I'm releasing energy that's like decades old. And so I need to move my body to help that energy come out. So I'm in this, like my emotional mental process where I'm healing, which is beautiful. And if I don't move my body, that energy is, it's going to take longer for it to move out of my system. And that can look like, um, you know, doing my workouts. I'm, you know, we have talked separately out of this, like I'm a pure bar instructor. I love that particular, um, workout. It's just the one that I resonate the most with the best in, in conjunction with yoga, but moving my body. And then also I just dance. I feel like dancing is one of the best healing medicines, (laughs) whether it be just, even if you're like feeling sad, putting a slow song on and just slowly swaying your body starts to move energy. 
and it starts to move things out of our body that we're not meant to hold. We aren't meant to hold our emotions inside. We're meant to let them flow freely out of our body. Now, one question that I have, um, and this is definitely coming from a person who has struggled with the extreme side of movement, Mm -hmm. is how do we balance that of, okay, I'm addicted to exercise. That is my drug. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, I'm not in that place any longer, but I know many of my listeners struggle with this. Like, yes, I need to move and honor my body. But what does that look like for somebody who uses that as a detrimental tool versus as a healing tool? Yeah, that's such a good question. So this is a great way to talk about too and pull in that bit about intuition because your body, if you are listening to your body mm-hmm. and what your body needed and wanted from a movement place, it wouldn't be the over-exercising. It wouldn't be the overly stimulated motion. It would say, I need to go, you know, like I said, I need to sway. I need to, like, you know, roll my shoulders forward and back. I need to rock. I need to, um, yes, maybe I do need to run, but I don't need to run 26 miles. Mm -hmm. Um, If we were really listening to our body and in that connected place, we we would know what the limits are. And where the healthy places. And then there's also, you know, I love what you're talking about. And we were, I was just mentioning the chakra system. So the chakra system is a, is like a seven, um, it's seven different energy centers in our body where a lot of energy comes together and creates this wheel of energy. I think about it almost like a turnabout in traffic. There's energy coming from every direction and it creates this circle of energy. And so it's very powerful. It's these different places in our body where energy collects. And the solar plexus chakra is the, actually not the solar plexus, the sacral chakra, which is the place that we house our pleasure and pain. It's our second chakra. It's... The uh, in between the base of your spine and your belly button. And this is where our pleasure and pain live. And this is where our body image lives. This is where our addictions live. And so it's like when I hear what you were just talking about, everything in me says, oh my goodness, this just needs so much love and attention, this sacral chakra area. And what happens is a lot of people think about our energy centers and they think about unbalanced energy centers being too little energy there. And actually having too much energy is as detrimental as having too little energy because too much means that we're putting more of our focus on these areas. So we're either using addictions to get out of pain or to gain pleasure and we are using them, we're putting all of our focus on our body image. We are um, driving our addictions towards that. So when I hear that, I think um, there just needs to be some deep healing in this energy center to bring it back to balance so that, um, and, and also balancing out the attention with the other areas that we can bring attention through, through training 
but there's also a need like what is good for that region, which is um, less about vigorous activity and more about um, intentional movement. Mm. I'm like so absorbed into all of this. And like, as you just said, you know, the area where your chakra, that um, sacral chakra lies I'm thinking like, and again, sorry, listeners, like I'm totally using Kristen as like my pawn here, but, or not my pawn, but my healer here. Um, but like, wow, I'm dealing with amenorrhea and have for so many years and I'm working to heal that. But like, what an interesting area of the body to be targeted or to mm-hmm. be in need of help when that's obviously right where that chakra lies and mm-hmm. all through that space. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so interesting when you really start to look at these things that like our emotional stuff is our physical stuff and our physical stuff is our emotional stuff. Mm -hmm. They're so interconnected. And there's a way in which too, like when we look at the energy system of the body, and this is just science, people think that like, the like talking about energy is just so woo woo and so out there. But this is science. We are made of atoms that move like energetically. There is Mm -hmm. energy that is transferring when we, you know, when we hug somebody, when we're talking to somebody, it is all transfers of energy. And so understanding how energy works within us and within the world, the world in a greater context is so important. Um, So there's a way that in our bodies, if there's too much energy somewhere or their energy stuck and there's like a blockage and energy is held back the cells in that area begin to reproduce at a more rapid rate and so we can see that these energetic things that are happening within us that are that tend to be very emotional mental controlled by our minds by our coping strategies how we've interpreted things are archetypes that are patterned into our personalities are part of it as well. It's all about this divine construct of who we are supposed to be in this lifetime and, and what our soul has to, has to experience in this lifetime in order to grow. Like there's a way that we are made for that, but we're also made to heal ourselves. And the energy that is, you know, kind of collecting in places that will have an effect on the physical part of you because they're not separate, which is why it's so important and why I feel so strongly about really bringing your spiritual practice also into your body because they are so interconnected and you can't heal your whole self if you're not healing it on all of these different levels. Mm. I could sit and talk with you all day long. I am so, so in tune with everything that you're saying right now. Um, where if our listeners, I know that they are going to be just as obsessed with you as I am, where can they go to connect with you or to find more about you? Yes. Yeah, so I have um, a modern spiritual growth company called Raw and Ritual. And so you can go to rawandritual.com, which is R-A-W-A-N-D-R-I-T-U-A-L. And um, if you put in backsplash fit and fierce, There is a um, chakra assessment you can access along with just the PDF that talks about the different chakras and the areas of the body. So you could kind of, um, you'll be able to do the assessment and see where you might want to be putting some of your energy and attention. Um, And then it can also help you kind of consider how to find the right physical movements for you that would help you in those areas. 
And then also just a beautiful meditation to help you heal those chakras. So that's at rawandritual.com slash fit and fierce. So just some, you know, nice, easy assessments for you guys. And then, yeah, I do a lot of beautiful readings for people where we look at, um, I connect into a resource called the Akashic Records, which is a history of every soul across all times, all places, and all spaces. So it also holds all the information of this lifetime and what our purpose and meaning is here for each of us and what it is we are here to discover about ourselves, what we're here to heal, how we're supposed to be growing. And it can give us very practical insights on um, next direction, on understanding dynamics in relationships, understanding our career choices. And it's, it's actually a really amazing spiritual tool that can bring a lot of practical solutions. So I offer those and I'm running a huge discount through the summer for those. And so that's all on my website as well. Oh, and I'll have all of Kristen's information will be detailed in the show notes too. So if you guys didn't catch that or didn't get a chance to write that down, um, make sure you check those show notes out because everything that you need will be in there. Um, I like to wrap up Kristen with just a couple questions. Um, my first question that I'm always intrigued, I'm kind of obsessed about morning routines. Mm -hmm. And so I always like to know what is the very first thing that you do in the morning? You know, actually, this, it's just so basic. The first thing I do in the morning is get my toddler out of bed. <laughs> he wakes me up. <laughs> Which, as a mom of a toddler, that's probably what every one has to do. Yes. It's, you know, it's the first thing in the morning, which is honestly the best way to start the morning. Um, yeah. And then we do a little cuddle session. So we move it, uh, you know, do the basics, change the diaper. Uh, and then we move it to the couch and we have a little cuddle session and it's a really beautiful way that I just kind of, you know, wake up in like, just kind of wrapped in love. And so it's really, really beautiful. Then I get, you know, get him all ready for the days that I'm working, get him off to school. And then I start my own, uh, little grounding ritual practice after that. What does a grounding practice look like? So for me, it's, I always light um, beautiful sacred incense with uh, frankincense and myrrh and just these beautiful sacred smells that help us connect into our, our divine self. And then I put on a beautiful meditation playlist that I have. I, I can put that on the, um, the webpage for yeah. you guys as well. And where I do a meditation where I ground myself into the earth um, creating roots within me. It's a visualization. I, I also have that on my site, so I'll put that up as well. I'm just going to give you guys all the things. We'll take it all. <laughs> like we are sponges for everything. Yeah. So I do, um, I do this beautiful meditation practice. It's called the three heart meditation where it connects into the earth, into the heart in your physical body, and then to the heart of God above you. So it just creates this beautiful channel for you to receive information through your day and to open up that intuitive channel, kind of clearing out all the other gunk of energy. So I do that. And then depending on my timing, if I need to just like go straight into work, I'll close out that meditation in that way. Or I go into um, a, a higher level of meditation where I actually um, – you know, really, I work with my higher guidance council, which is like a team of spirit guides and ascended masters. And we might like work through like, I don't know, we might brainstorm different things, or I might come for guidance or ask for a healing if I'm 
dealing with something and I, I go like, you know, in that realm. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And the last question that I always have to know from everybody is what does being fierce mean to you? Hmm. Yeah, I think being fierce to me in this moment means being just so deeply connected to your truth and your sovereignty. Mm. So when I say connected to your truth, it's, it's the truth with a capital T. And again, it's like out of that mind space of like all the bullshit stories we've created in our lives and all the ways that we make things mean whatever, whatever it is we're making them mean. And instead just really being present and bearing witness to the world without it making it mean more or less than it does. And, and really knowing who you are on a soul level and living from that place. So that means being honest in character and honest in a way that is you know, in everyone's highest good, right? Like not that like, I'm going to be mean honest, but like, I'm going to say this with love and honesty. Um, so really being connected into your truth with a capital T, which is also like just the nature of, of what's important, which is being connected, compassionate, loving, and um, coming from a pl- from that place. What an oh, amazing use of what fierce tends to be everybody, you know, such this strong, powerful, dominant thing, but then twisting it just as your intuition does is just like this gentle, loving word versus like that strong, dominant one. Oh my gosh. I am so connected into the divine feminine fierceness of, um, what we've been taught as a society. And so first of all, there's feminine and masculine and masculinity is what we have been celebrating and rewarding in our society for a few centuries now. And it's beautiful. We need masculinity. I am not anti-masculinity. I am not anti-masculine principle, but what I also am is very much into celebrating the feminine fierceness that we have forgotten about which is really leading with that softness and that tenderness, but doing so with such a conviction of devotion that it is fierce. It's like the fierce mama bear. Her actions are still strong and powerful, but they are based on love Mm. and not force. It's like alignment versus flow. And so really coming from a place where, um, There's a gentle receptivity that allows us to be fierce in a way that we can really look at how do I play into bringing this feminine fierceness out? Um, I think it's so important. I think it's really healing for our society right now to start to see these different ways that we can be really, really powerful without being aggressive, which is more of that yang energy. But how can we be powerful and and more of a receptive state and loving state as well? a message that my soul needed to hear today. And I know that many others did as well. Kristen, this has been fantastic. I love everything that you are about and doing. And I know that our listeners are going to just have that same love that I'm feeling for you right now. 
No, thank you so much. It's been such a joy to connect. I've really enjoyed it. I enjoy, enjoyed the conversation and your questions. And, um, and I love how you really bring such an air of vulnerability to your podcast, because I think that's what the world needs the most right now is just for people to be sharing their real truth and the realness of our experiences because it heals on so many levels. Mm, I couldn't agree more. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much for listening to the Fit and Fierce podcast. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes, subscribe and download so you never miss an episode and drop me a rating and review. It's the best way to support the show and to keep more episodes coming your way. See you next time.